Hey, welcome back to He Says, She Says, God Says. It's Ben Campbell here and I'm here with my wife, Emily. Hello. And this episode is called Different Backgrounds, Same Marriage, question mark. And it's about how when we come together as a couple and if we've got very diverse or different backgrounds, how does that turn up in our marriage? And our guests on this interview are Dan and Cindy from the Central Coast in New South Wales, who share a pretty amazing and in-depth story about their, not only their backgrounds, but how that came into their marriage and a whole range of other things, which I think you're going to find really amazing. It's a really great story. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to it when you first played it to me before it was edited. It really struck a chord with me because we had the same experience. So we relate quite a lot to mm. their story. Yeah, there's a lot of things in here. I think, you know, we have very different backgrounds, mm. you and I. Um, you yeah. grew up in a family with a you know, the father and mother who were well united and together. I grew up as a single parent, so I didn't have those examples. So, yeah, we certainly had some differences. I'm not sure it turned up in the same way as it did in Dan and Cindy's case. No. But isn't it funny how you can actually come into a marriage? You think that the person that you're married will automatically understand where you've come from. There's all of these unsaid written rules. And expectations. And expectations. That's what it is. It's the expectation. And the other person doesn't really understand what it is. And the other person doesn't even know that you have a certain expectation for how they should behave and all those sorts of things and how you want to be treated and yeah. you know and ideas on all sorts of things yeah and then it causes conflict and disappointment yeah. and potentially if it stays resentment and so i think that that's something if you can be quite honest about that just even intentional about the conversation mm. and that's i think probably one of the key things that's worth thinking about if you're newly married or perhaps not on the same page, is being really intentional about your conversation. Even before you get married. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so that because you're thinking, oh, no, that person has seen me in that environment. Can't they see that's how I want to be treated? And, yeah, because that's not their experience, they may not even see it. They may see it later down the track, but it might not be immediate. And the ESP and telepathy piece doesn't, oh, yes. doesn't, it, doesn't uh, it doesn't show up for probably 25 plus years, I think. And I think then, you know, if you're intentional about your conversations, you know, you might yeah. really understand. Surely uh, you can read my mind by now, Benjamin. <laughs> and I think the other part, it really does highlight the, you know, the scripture that we read in Genesis in chapter 2. In verse 24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and thou shalt be one flesh. And that is really great scripture because it doesn't say that it'll be the man's way or it doesn't say the relationship will be the woman's way. It actually says they'll become one flesh, which Mm. means that it's a melding together of their experiences and way they treat each other and what they want out of their marriage not just his way or her way. Mm. And I think that really clearly comes out in Dan and Cindy's story as well. It's pretty amazing. It is really incredible. And the fact that they finally came to understand that is really special Mm. as well. 
So there's lots to learn in this one. Heaps of learning here, and I'm really grateful that they shared. And thank you very much, Cindy. All right. Dan, Cindy, welcome to He Says, She Says, God Says. Thanks. It's great to be here. Dan's got a big smile on his face. <laughs> Cindy's got these <laughs> what am I doing eyes looking at me. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if only it was video. Cindy, if it was video, then they could see it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at uh, our Karakalinga camp in uh, yep. south of Adelaide at the end of a youngies camp or a youth group camp for the weekend. How's it been? It's been great. Yeah, it's been how many days? Three. Three, four days of big days as well, starting in the morning with prayer and brekkie and meetings and singing and workshops and and just nice long chats with people fellowshipping. Mm. It's a good recipe. And so typical age groups, sort of 17 to... to however, well. however young <laughs> you think you are. <laughs> Someone said to me, I don't think people quite know how old you are, Dan, because <laughs> you're at every young people's event. So That's nice. Yeah. Here originally from Adelaide, but you guys live... Central Coast, Central Coast New, South of New South Wales. Which is about a few thousand kilometres away from here. Yeah. 16-hour mm. drive if you want to do it, <laughs> which we've done a few times in our, in our past. Have. Yeah, beautiful spot to live and great church there, 120 people, about that full of kids, built around families, great culture, great leadership. It's a really great place to be. Mm. We're really happy. Now, you guys didn't meet up there. You met down here, didn't you? We did. Yep. So what's the backstory, Cindy? Well, my backstory is a little different to Dan's version of yeah, the backstory. Yeah, there's two lenses, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> there right? and, and so this topic, the yep. topic that we're talking about today and the topic of this episode, it's called Different Backgrounds, Same Marriage question mark okay yeah so how do you guys meet do you want to start not really okay do you want me to start just take it away okay i'll just be here i've got this really vivid memory of we have these annual conventions or rallies and it was in the city in adelaide and there i was 17 i think and i turned around and I saw her and I just went. So out of the crowd, thousands of yes. people. Yeah, the crowd blows away. Totally. And there's Cindy. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I saw her and I just noticed her. And then that kind of started from there. We hadn't met before. No. But we'd known of each other oh, like yeah. you do in a big church. My best friend was really close to Dan. Yeah, and okay. I had a lot of mutual friends, but we didn't know each other. Yeah. So that weekend was kind of like the beginning for me. <laughs> <laughs> I was blissfully unaware. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uninterested. Quite happy with your life without I me. I was, yeah. Just <laughs> cruising along. Yeah. And so you're a similar age, Cindy? Yeah, I was 16 at the time. Yeah. I think it might have been my birthday yeah, that so day, you were actually. I reckon you were 15 when I... No, I think that was my 16th birthday, birthday that, that day. day. My birthday's often on that long weekend yeah, in okay. June at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got my wingman. Yep. In on the job. <laughs> Can I dive in? Sure. Johnny Wilco. Johnny Wilco. He is a good wingman. <laughs> <laughs> and I got him on the job and we were working together on it. <laughs> so you were still blissfully unaware? No idea. Didn't care. No. Was not interested no. at all. Just in not having... interested in boys full stop or just Dan oh. as well? Oh, I was just not looking for yeah. love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I was pretty involved in the youngies group at the time and I had a lot of friends and family in the fellowship at the time and I was just cruising along. Mm, it's pretty yeah. fun. Yeah. Convention's pretty fun when you're that age. It is. Yeah. Massive suppers. Yeah. You might have been there. We went to, remember when Aaron and Michelle lived at Green Hill Road and I had do. a bonfire after convention? Uh, did you go to that? I don't know that I, I did. Remember. Okay. That, one. that yeah. was where we went. Yeah. Did you take me in your car, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I got rid of Johnny. <laughs> As a good wingman does. Johnny found another way to get there. <laughs> what wingman? Where'd you go? He oh, stepped aside. <laughs> That's oh, exactly very right. Very convenient. So anyway. I was like, see ya, thanks for the lift. Off, <laughs> Off I went. you go to the supper. Yeah. So that was the beginning. That's the very first memory that I have and it's still see very vividly, hmm. which is really cool because you forget so much the 21 21 years we've been together. So my first memory of Emily is exactly the same, as vivid as yep. it was yesterday. Yeah. Mm. Sounds all kind of gushy and romantic. That's the truth of That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, for sure. So we started there. Where do we go from there? I don't remember a lot. It's going to be a good podcast. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> uh, we're finished. <laughs> <laughs> Lots has happened in between, but what would have been the next kind of milestone? I don't know. We Well, okay. You live. You told me not to prepare. Hmm. That's good. <laughs> so I well, lived we down lived south long, of yeah. Adelaide and Cindy lived up in the Barossa Valley. That's a long way away. Seaford to Barossa. That would easily be, what, a two-hour drive? Maybe more? No. No. The best I ever did it in, I did it a lot, was an hour and 20. Right. Before the expressway it was. Yeah. When we got married, the expressway opened. Yeah. That was nice timing. Would have been convenient if that had happened a bit earlier. So I did a lot of driving because yeah. Dan worked weekends. Yeah. I was working in the city, so I would spend half my week at Mum's and half my week with some friends at Port Wollonga. Yeah, right, down south, yeah. Yeah, Ben and Karen. Yeah. and I did a lot of couch surfing, actually. Yeah, but having those people in our lives that kind of enabled that was really mm. important, like especially the Joneses. I think yeah. I remember back thinking, man, they just enabled it in a really good way. You know, it was like really made it happen for us and they were a really important part Jim of Jim and that. Jackie. Yeah. Spent a lot of nights at their place, Jim and Jackie Alexander. Yeah. Mm. yeah. They, were, they yeah. were great. It's nice. So, so we, we did, did a lot of travelling. For... Four years we were together. Yeah, right. We did that for four years. Yeah. I did move out for a little while, lived, it, lived down south with Raylene for a little while until she got married and then I went back home yeah. to mum's until we got married. And I really loved Cindy's family. Like, it's a big family. It's quite different to mine. There's always people there and it's a hive. Like, Cindy's mum is a great host. And so the house was always busy and people were always staying there, coming and going. Yeah. My parents were great hosts and great evangelists, but just really different. Yep. And so I quite liked going up there and experiencing something different. It's a really mm. exciting place to be and, yeah, really welcoming. How did you find the difference with a smaller family? You know, for a period of time, my mum was on her own. So it was my sister and I and my mum, and I saw mum working really hard and to provide for us. And, you know, it's a different dynamic yeah. with a one, a single parent family. Yeah. So I grew up without a father figure for a period of time. And whereas Dan's father is very strong personality, so their house was, you know, he was definitely head of the household. I guess I just, in hindsight, to be completely frank, I probably just didn't have a lot of respect for that system, like all that. Because it was so different from what you're I used think, to? I know that when we got married, and that was probably, I might be jumping around a bit here, but I was just talking to someone then. 
I guess one of the struggles we had when we first got married was that Dan had an expectation that I would have this respect for him that his mum had for his dad and that he was in charge and he would make the decisions and I would respect that. And I mean, he might have a different interpretation, but that's how I felt in the very beginning. And whereas I felt like, no, man, we're a team. This is a team effort. And because I saw my mum did the roles of both parents. Yeah. So it took us a while to find our feet in how we were going to work together. And it couldn't be like Dan's family and it couldn't be like mine. And we had to work that out for ourselves. And I'm pretty happy with where we're sitting. And I feel like we're constantly having that conversation even now. We're constantly talking about how we can be better and better together. And we're both willing to make changes to enable that. Yeah enable each other to serve the Lord and make sure where all our needs are being met. I think that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it is interesting that, you know, when I, and we read the scriptures, you know, if a guy leaves his parents, you know, to create yeah. effectively a new entity to come together as one. It's yeah. not the same. You can't do it the same as no. your parents did it. It yeah. does actually have to be your own yeah. and you have to own it. Otherwise yeah. it would be a man stays with his parents and yeah. you know, gets a wife and they just, do what they've always done, right? That's yeah. not what the scriptures talk about. Maybe part of it was that because they had such a strong personality, like their family unit was a had a presence yeah. and my mum, she kind of enabled me, you know, she let me go, which is as a mother now, I look back on what she allowed me to do and I have a lot of respect for that. I can see that she had a lot of wisdom in that, you know, And she didn't just let me do whatever I wanted, you know. But I think I felt an expectation from Dan's parents, an expectation to do it a certain way and to maybe do it the way they had done it. Mm. And And was that an expectation you felt that they placed on you or was that one that you just picked up on? I probably made that up. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't think they've ever actually, I don't think they put it on. Yeah, didn't make me feel like that on purpose, that's for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I know Mm. that. It was just a difference of administration. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so going into marriage, so mm-hmm. before you got married, what were your expectations of what marriage was going to be like? I just thought it would make things easier logistically. I was doing... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she's a very practical woman. <laughs> Seriously. Just, I don't hey, think I thought not... much more than that. <laughs> I didn't want to do that drive anymore. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. Honestly, I think back now and I'm so grateful for what I have because I did not think big picture at all. When I was making these massive decisions, I just believe the Lord made them because I wasn't making them. That's how I feel. I feel like it's really hard to answer those sorts of questions because I think about it and I'm like, I don't know, it's ridiculous. Mm. Massive life decisions. Mm. And I just At that age, I think as well, like if you put it into context, like if you were to make a similar decision now, you would actually, you see it through such a different lens. So because a lot of us growing up in a church and with particular moral standards, we have to sometimes make those decisions, well, young, I think. And I don't think we have to. I think there was just this certain cultural, I don't know. Yeah. So, no, sometimes you do sometimes have to. We have to. Okay. And that's scriptural too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> it is, you know. But if you were to make a similar decision of that scale and size now, 
oh. as an adult with perspective, it's a lot different. Mm. So, it's a bigger process, isn't it, before you reach the decision? It is. Is that what you mean? Yeah. That's because you've got some perspective and you've got some experience, which is mm. really important. But at the time, you're in love and you're... You know, you're thinking about your future and you know what you want to do and that kind of thing. So I was just along for the ride. Yeah. I can't decide what to have for dinner at a restaurant. So, so getting married was, you no, know. No, I'm a terrible decision maker. <laughs> <laughs> so lucky I wasn't thinking and, too hard. Which is a really good point because I'm total opposite. So if you look at personality types or whatever, yeah, then I think I'm what the powerful cleric or something cool, you know, along the lines of that. And so for us, Cindy relied in the early days I would make all the decisions and what that created was a one-way street, you know, where it's just kind of get on the train, we're going this way because I was just the decision maker and I really didn't stop and take time early on to listen and consider and so you can only sustain that for so long. It's actually very powerful in a tactical sense but not in a long-term sense. Right. Hey, we've got to do some stuff. Great. Let's make some decisions. Off we go. But if that's how it happens every day for the rest of your life, that can be a real challenge. Yeah. When I look back, like I've got so much respect for Cindy for actually just going with the flow because a lot of it now is I look and I'm like, wow, that was a really selfish move then. (laughs) You know, like you were at the center of that decision. And whether I knew that at the time, I don't know. Yeah. And do you think that's part of your background? You know, because you had a you know strong family I think that, so. where that was yeah. part of the family. That's just how you came out. Yeah. Yeah. It's genetics and it's, you know, it's all that kind of thing. And look, as a husband, you know, like I knew I had to lead as well. But what I didn't realize was that you can do it together, you know, and you really need to stop and take the time to understand what your wife needs. And that's probably what I didn't do. And that's where we had some difficulties along the way, for sure. And so... What does difficulty mean? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges that we've had and what Cindy alluded to before was this whole idea of love and respect. The man, the male, the husband wants respect and the wife just wants to be loved and feel loved. And that took a lot of work to get to that point. Firstly, in identifying that's what we needed and then actually changing um, to get to that point and working hard to get there. Do you agree, Sin? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I didn't very early on, Dan would almost be demanding my respect, like he would actually say, you don't respect me and why can't you respect me? And, Mm. you know, and I just thought, what does that mean? Like I didn't understand what he in a practical sense, how to do that. Yeah, I didn't understand what he expected of me. And yeah, I think for me, what changed it was we, about two years into our marriage, just after two years, that's when we moved to the Central Coast. Yeah. And that was something Dan wanted to do. So we did And that's <laughs> why we did it. <laughs> leave your family, leave your career, leave your first house, your Sell car, your, your car first that you've car. Paid yeah. off. And it sounds like I'm kind of setting down the demands, but. But it that was, is what happened. Yeah, that's essentially that's what That's not it necessarily was. how we think about it. Yeah. Or... There was a huge change and it's only now that I look back and go, wow, she gave up so much for what I kind of was my vision. Yeah. So when yeah. we moved there, which was completely of the Lord, just he did really bless that move and I really do believe 100% that we are where the Lord wants us to be. And I think I couldn't move under any other circumstances, to Mm. be honest. So, yeah, it was what Dan wanted to do. 
but the Lord got us there. And I think when we moved there, it was probably the first time that I really stood up. Dan had wanted to go. I knew we would eventually end up on the East Coast. Yeah. I knew that marrying him and that's sort of where he's comfortable and where his heart really was. And we really loved being in Adelaide. We had no reason to leave. He just wanted to be somewhere else. We have great memories of being here. But when we moved, I remember saying to him, you know, I had a best friend here, someone I was very close to, and I remember saying to him, okay, well, I remember being there and being really homesick and saying, well, you need to be my husband. You need to be my best friend. You need to be my mum. You need to be all of these things for this to work for me Mm. because I don't have any of those people anymore. Yeah. And I'm willing to do this, but now it's your job to look after me kind of thing. Mm. And he really did. He stepped up big time and he was all of those things to me. And that earned my respect and it changed it for us. Moving away really solidified what we had because we had to rely on each other and we only had each other at first. Whereas when we were here, I've got three sisters, you know, I had them close to my mum. So I had my mum, I had my sisters, I had a lot of cousins that I was very close to. Uh, We've got an extended family that I'm very close with. And I had great friends in the fellowship and I just had this huge support network that if I had a problem, I didn't take it to Dan. I didn't need to. I took it to one of my girlfriends or my mum or my sisters. Like Whereas when we moved away from that, it was only Dan. And so working together that he had to step up and he did. And that, that earned was, my respect. But is that both a responsibility for Dan to step into those roles, but for you to also give him the opportunity Absolutely. to do that? Absolutely. And because you moved, we no longer had your support network. Mm-hmm. That just had, that was just the way it was going to be. That was fast learning. And I could see in hindsight that I should have been doing that from the beginning. Yeah. But he was never my first port of call. Yeah. He didn't need to be. It wasn't how, yeah, I just guess I wasn't used to that. Remember, I never saw that in my own house. My mum didn't have that. Mm. So even though like the period of time that she was a single mum in comparison to the wonderful relationship that she has now Mm. with her husband is small, it must have been my formative years because it's had a big impact on how I conducted myself. And so I guess I just didn't have that example of two people working together. I just saw my mum doing it all. And I guess I took that on subconsciously. It's not an unfamiliar story. Mine's not dissimilar. Mm. I grew up in a single-parent family, and it took us to move away, I think, the same thing when we moved to Melbourne. And it took quite a number of years for me to turn up because I went there for work. And we went there. It was a joint decision to go there, but I got pretty heavily involved in work and really didn't turn up in, in our relationship as I should have. And we eventually worked that out. Now it's amazing, but it is important. And that's really that whole coming together as one. You can't do that if everyone else is involved in your marriage. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it was the best thing for our marriage was moving away. But even... I wouldn't have done it for that reason, but the Lord has blessed it. Yeah. Like you say, the Lord blessed the move and he certainly did to get us there to the Central Coast. But the first 12 months of that moving... And living there was the hardest 12 months we've ever endured. And why was it hard? Well, we have very different experiences in that first 12 months, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we do. Because, well, for me, I was part of the move, was moving to Sydney. I'm a graphic designer. It was about finding a really 
really great job and build a career there and all that kind of stuff. And I actually couldn't find work. I'd be going through interviews, rounds and rounds of interviews and traveling to Sydney every day, doing all that kind of stuff. And just nothing ever came about. And we spent 12 months doing that and it broke me big time. And it actually, there's a good end to the story, but I remember Cindy working three casual jobs, just enough for us to pay rent. Whoa. And I remember that moment of like, I've actually really failed her here. A, I've asked her, I've pulled her away from her family. I've moved her to another state. And then I can't even provide for my own wife. And it was a really humbling experience. Yeah. Because I realized at that point, like the Daniel train, the freight train. Is that a term? Is that a real thing? A D train. I like it. D train. There was no stops on it, but it, it was it was out of service. The D train was out yeah, of service. It's an express service, <laughs> and it stopped to the end of the line. Yeah, it it had definitely stopped. And Cindy was actually doing what she was keeping us afloat. Hmm. You know, the Lord was really helping us through that time. We wouldn't be able to buy groceries, and we had people rock up with you know something to eat and wow. all that kind of stuff. That beautiful provision that you see when you're really desperate. And God uses other people and pulls them in. It didn't uh, feel like that at the time, I must admit. It just felt hard. And it's only in hindsight that I recognize mm, those. Yeah, those people. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And we've gone back and found those people and thanked them. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. to let them know you were part of this. Yeah. You know. Mm. And so, yeah, that was a really hard experience because my plan, you know, the D-train thing wasn't coming to pass and my vision of what I was going to be doing wasn't happening. And that was the moment I realized that in the scriptures it talks about, you know, being broken on the rock. And that was such a significant moment in my walk. I was just like broken. And after a two-day prayer and fast, I had some great advice from my dad. I called my dad. I was a bit like Job. It's like I was so angry, you know, of what this thing wasn't going the way that I had planned it. And I called my dad and he was really simple like just simple advice and he just said well have you had a prayer and fast and i was like no nah, 12 months you know I like told you really this train was going fast <laughs> and so i thought right it's time to get serious he actually said to me how serious are you and i said well i got angry i'm really serious dad he's like well have a prayer and fast about it and so i did i had a prayer and fast and at the end of two days i just felt really amazing i didn't eat just for those that don't know i, I you know abstained from food and I couldn't pick up a magazine, I couldn't pick up a newspaper or turn on the TV or have any external influence. I laid on the couch for two days, I prayed and I read the Bible. Sometimes I look at my walk as like scales and it's a battle between the flesh and the spirit, between the man and the spirit of God and what he wants to do with us. And the scales just tipped one way. There was no room for any of the man or the yeah. flesh and it was so, such an important time for me. And at the end of that week, somebody called me and said, I need a graphic designer. I want to set you up in your own business. And it was like, at first I said, no. No, thank you. <laughs> the D train's back up. <laughs> Unbelievable. I said no, because it wasn't what I had envisaged. Like it wasn't part of this picture. And then after a couple of days, I realized the Lord is doing this. Mm. 
and it's years later now that in I love hindsight. Oh, you know, years later now you see that how the Lord orchestrates things in our life. So what did you learn out of that experience? I learned that my wife was amazing, that she proved her love, you know, and her respect for me in a way that I've just I never seen before. And she held us together, you know. And then going through the prayer and fast and the breaking down and the rebuilding was just the simple understanding of just relying on God, being patient and waiting on Him. And also that He has a plan for you and it may not line up with what your plans are. But ultimately, who's got the better plan? The creator of the universe or me? Or the (laughs) D-trains. So, so I've really learned. So in that first 12 months, mm-hmm. how did that impact you? I didn't notice. You know, I know the story now. I know how he was feeling now. But at the time, I think we were just living week to week yeah. and I was working really hard and I didn't understand that. I didn't think it was anything to be embarrassed about, you know, like I didn't think any differently of him because he wasn't getting work. It was, they were crazy situations. Like God just orchestrated that whole time because He'd go two or three times, he would get a job and then they would ring up and say, oh, actually, we're not going to have that position in our business anymore. Really, really weird things. So it wasn't like he wasn't trying and it wasn't, I don't know, I think I was just surviving, to be honest. I was working seven days a week. I guess I think I didn't notice at the time how it was impacting him. Obviously, I know now. And was that a thing for you? Was pride a challenge for you? Like if you'd gone to Sydney, got an amazing job, do you think that would have been a problem? For Potentially, you? yeah. Yeah, for sure. We definitely but- wouldn't have sustained that. I don't think that once we went on to have children, I would don't think I would have coped with Dan working in Sydney. Yeah. I've been very honest about that. So I think the Lord just had a plan and Dan just took a while to get on the other train. So were you guys living in the central coast at this point? Or yes. Like, yeah. yeah. So you were commuting down trying to... Yeah. yeah, it's an hour and a hour plus yeah wherever you are in sydney yeah Yeah. it's a pretty big deal to commute for a long term yeah absolutely especially when you have a family a young family it's not really a lifestyle i would advocate for yeah and so this new job that was up on the central coast yeah yeah it was in our apartment right yeah literally set up home office and he used to travel up to brisbane every every month or yeah about that yeah to go up for a couple of days at a time yeah And I've actually gone back because that person that offered me that job was in our church. Yeah. And I found him recently and gave him the backstory because I don't know if he ever knew that. He never knew the full story. And I just wanted to say to him face to face, like, thank you so much. You probably don't know and it probably didn't mean anything to you. I don't know. But it was so good to go back and see him and just say thanks because he was part of the Lord's plan. Yeah. You know, and I think that's really important. If you were part of that plan, like it's really great to know, yeah. you know. Mm. So, yeah, we started my own business kind of. And then after a while that work came to an end and the person that was employing me said, you know, are you going to be okay on your own? And I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Mm. And so we pretty much just I started working with my brother a bit in design and photography and then eventually, yeah, just kind of went out on my own and started up a business. Yeah, right. And so we talked before about moving to the Central Coast was really important for your marriage, the first year being very difficult. Did that first year change things for you 
or did it come further after that? In our marriage? Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's a milestone. Mm. It certainly wasn't the last thing, but you know, the only thing to change in our marriage, but it was like... Unless it was yesterday, right? (laughs) Marriage, there's always something going on, something changing. Yeah. That's part of the process. Yeah, and if you don't acknowledge that, I think that was the, probably the biggest lesson for me is that you got to work really hard at this, you know. The Bible is a great rule book, but you've still got to put in the work, you know. And we've got lots of examples around us of good and bad marriages, but I think I underestimated the amount of work involved. Well, you don't see that in other people's marriages, do you? No, you don't. You see the surface. Just um, going back to that first 12 months, another really, while all that was going on, and that was really challenging. In For the things of the Lord, we slotted, there's a fellowship there, obviously, and that stuff just went like clockwork. Did just it? We slotted straight in. Yeah. Dan was running youngies in that time and a bit, like about halfway through probably he was asked to be involved in the young people's group, the youth group there, and, man, that was exciting. That side of it was just, I think it really kept us. Yeah. It sustained us and it really encouraged us. The fellowship was, there was nothing difficult in that regard, nothing difficult about fellowshipping there Mm. and being a part of that church. And I think you'd agree that 12 months of hardship taught us lessons that helped us serve the church. 100%. Yeah. I've been able to share my experience and my testimony and the Lord's testimony of his deliverance so many times I couldn't tell you how many times. And that's the trial of our faith, you know. It's been so good to share that testimony because it allows you to relate to people. And that's why he sent Jesus Christ to be a man, right? (laughs) To make him relatable. And we have these experiences to share with each other and to be relatable. And so it really helped us as kind of youth leaders Mm. to do that. Mm. And so when you got married, did you both have the same vision to serve the Lord? I think so. We were pretty keen. Mm. Yeah. We were. I'm a background person. Dan's not. So I think that kind of. You've never seen him around the place? Never seen him up on a stage. (laughs) Yeah. I think. No comment. It's a good team in that respect because he doesn't make me do anything that encourages me and he supports me, but he won't. So he encouraged you to come on this podcast? He didn't make you? (laughs) (laughs) Debatable. Yeah, maybe. Good point on strengths and weaknesses, though, for sure. And because there's those obvious times where Cindy's strengths have kept us and vice versa, and we've been able to, I guess, acknowledge those points throughout the journey, definitely. And like Cindy shared her story and her testimony with this camp, and there's just been so many of those moments where we've been able to recognise it and that's what I'm so proud about, I think, is we work hard to recognise when the person needs you or needs something. So Dan meets Cindy at convention, yep. they get married. The day before your marriage, what advice would you give each other? Or what advice would you give to yourself? Now? Mm. Slow it down. Go, Sin. I've got nothing. <laughs> I still feel like I'm working it out, which is, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm happy. That's a great point. That's a good point. Like you're not going to work it all out in the first week. It's never going to be perfect. I'm happy to work hard at this for the rest of my life. I just It's worth it. Absolutely. Mm. That's good advice. It is good advice. <laughs> I'm proud of what we've got. 
I uh, know we've only we've got it because we both have a heart to serve the Lord, mm. and the, we know that well. It's the Lord that has shaped us into something that works well together, and I'm grateful for that. Mm. Amen. Yeah, and humility is just such an important part of that, and that's one of the biggest lessons I think that I learned from this is acknowledging the needs of my wife and my family and checking myself to see, okay, well, what do you need to do about that? How are you going to change and what are you going to change? I guess that is the thing that, like Cindy says, that we're really proud of is is the hard work and it's because we're happy. That's the result is happiness. And well, I feel safe. I feel safe in our relationship mm. and that's a nice feeling. Yeah. Like I know he's got my back and I think we're both willing to always change to make it work. We've learned to communicate effectively and that takes time between anybody. I had to learn to say how I was feeling. I had to learn to stand up for myself because he, you know, the train is going fast sometimes. And And was that not a natural thing for you? Not necessarily. I think I just assumed he would notice. Yep. (laughs) You know he's a bloke, right? (laughs) (laughs) didn't realise that you don't notice anything. Boys don't notice stuff. Sometimes we eventually work it out. Yeah. It does take us a while sometimes. And then we claim it as our idea, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that earlier? That is something we talk about regularly is I feel like I've communicated clearly and yet Dan claims he's never heard that before. So we have we, had some really honest and robust discussions around that. That's something I've really had to work on is actually listening and digesting. So how does that look to you? So what are you doing when you're really listening? Well, I'm there. I'm present. I'm in the moment and I'm just taking it all in rather than thinking of what's next. And see, the thing is, I'm a problem solver, right? So bring a problem and we're going to get a solution. That's what I'm driven to do. And sometimes, a lot of the time, Cindy doesn't want the problem solved. (laughs) She just wants to be heard. She just wants to feel loved and cared for. And that's 21 years in the making, that one, for sure. Because my desire is to see her happy, right? And so I want to fix the problem. And I've learned that one quite a number of times. Yeah, a lot of our conversations start with, I don't want you to fix this. I just want you to listen. And that works, doesn't mm, it? That's yeah. changed a lot. Yeah. And I can't expect him to meet my needs if he doesn't know what they are. Mm. You know, I need to be able to communicate how I'm feeling and I need to know that he's heard me. And I think sometimes there have been times early on where he has a preconceived idea of what I'm feeling or how I might react or how something might make me feel. And so that has at times prevented him from hearing what I'm actually saying. A quick plug for another podcast called Revival on the Air Today. Listen to interviews with people from all around the world who've experienced amazing miracles. People set free miraculously from anxiety, depression, cancer, broken relationships, drug addiction, anorexia, glaucoma, the list goes on and on. You can find Revival on the air today on the podcast app you're listening on right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, etc. Plus, you can follow on Facebook and Instagram too. Just search for Revival on the air today. Yeah. And I can see that now. 
mm. where before I, I couldn't see it. Mm. We're talking a lot about you not noticing me, but I'm sure I've had plenty of flaws in this. No, you're perfect, Cindy. (laughs) 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 We've had an episode before this called Mr. Fix-It. That's the actual episode. So for those that are interested in unpacking that a little bit more, they can go back and listen to the Mr. Fix-It episode because it is a a fairly common thing. And (laughs) I love, Cindy, that you said that you communicate, I don't want you to fix it, I just want you to hear me. Mm. If you don't communicate that way, us fellows will run off and... Oh, yeah. And I remember Emily on a job that she was working on. She's an interior designer and someone had treated her fairly poorly on the job and she came home. She didn't say that. She said, this is what happened and I was getting my car keys. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm going to go and sort this out. Yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. I just wanted you to, no, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. This, yeah, this, we're, we spring we're defenders, into action. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're sure. right. We do it because we love. Yeah, uh, not because we just want to go and yeah. you know, march into victory or take up a fight. But I love the fact that you call that out, Cindy. And maybe it goes back to as well something that I've learned. What Cindy talked about earlier was, well, you need to be my friend. You know, not just my husband and my mum and my sister and all these kind of roles. And that was part of it. It's just like my friend would just sit and listen yeah. and talk to me yeah. about it. And they're not going to run off and, run off and try and fix it. No, mm. no, they're going to give me a hug. They're going to, you know, show affection and that kind of thing and, yeah. you know, not grab your car keys and yeah. <laughs> give me the name and address. Punching gloves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Yeah. That's a great analogy, isn't it? Just be my friend. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and I think about 10 years into our marriage, I never had an expectation of it lasting till death do us part. The examples around me were people very happily married for a second time. People closest to me, that's what had happened. Their marriages hadn't lasted and I had no idea that I thought that or that I felt that, but I realised that I had backup plans. I was Subconscious backup plans. Yeah. So I knew what I was going to do when I was a single mum. I knew how I was going to logistically move around and I knew how I was going to provide for my kids when I was by myself. It was all subconscious. Mm. You know, I just had no expectations that we would be together until we were old. And once I recognized, once I realized that that's how I felt and I spoke to Dan, that was Mm. a very hard conversation to have. Yeah. I was so upset, wasn't I? And I just couldn't work out why because I didn't physically ever think those things Mm. you know like I could never have verbalized those Mm. things but I realized that subconsciously that was how I was preparing and it wasn't until this other marriage broke down that you actually realized and those feelings then came through yeah wow yeah and so I believe the Lord revealed that at a time that we were able to deal with it it. yeah so you're saying that that was about 10 years in Yes, so I were you strong at that point as a couple? Yeah, yep. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. so had that a couple of at- kids by then. Yeah, we'd been. You know, yeah, I reckon it was about ten years in. Yeah, and so I told Dan how I was feeling, and it obviously it rocked me. Yeah, yeah, I was heartbroken mm. because I was all in. You know, yeah. like, and I knew that I knew it was going to break his heart to know that I felt like that. So why was it important that you told him? Because I needed not to feel that mm. way. And I didn't want to live my life feeling that way. Yeah. And I sort of feel like, well, any marriage is difficult, as in any relationship takes work. 
is what I mean by that. Yeah. I don't mean marriage is difficult. Yeah, any relationship in life takes work and what's the point of starting again with someone else? Like it's not going to solve all your problems. In our circumstance, there were, I'm not talking about someone who might be in an abusive relationship, yeah. obviously, but anyway, I certainly needed to communicate that yeah. and I needed to be honest about it and we were able to pray about that and I only remember that we prayed about it, really. We didn't have to do much else except for it was a bit of confess your faults one to another yeah. sort of circumstance yeah. for me and it was a fairly short process, really, it was. for such yeah. a big thing, yeah. but it changed everything. And Changed to how? I've lost that fear. I realised once I was able to identify that that's how I had felt and what I had in the back of my mind, now I'm excited. I never expected to be an empty nester with Dan. You know, like I'd never pictured that. I'd never allowed myself to imagine what we could do. Do you think you were protecting yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I didn't quite feel safe because I didn't expect that. I thought one day I'd have to protect myself from the breakup mm. <laughs> kind of thing. Like, And so do you think in your first years of marriage that held you back? In hindsight, absolutely, yeah. because I wasn't all in like Dan. And I couldn't understand that he loved me like he did because I just couldn't let go. Mm. I didn't know what I was holding on to. But it changed everything and now it makes me feel like we can make plans. It makes me excited for what we can do together. And, you know, like that we've got three kids, young kids in primary school age kids at the moment, but, you know, one day it'll just be us and imagine what we can do. (laughs) (laughs) We're already talking about that. Oh, my goodness, look at the smile on your face. (laughs) I love you, children. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited. I'm really enjoying Our family unit, and I just feel free. I feel relaxed. I feel safe, and I feel a lot more confident in what I have and what we have. Mm. I just feel like I've been let down my guard, I guess. And yeah, now I am. And have you noticed a change? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Since then, yeah, like Cindy was saying, I was all in, and I was so surprised that she wasn't, you know, like I could see different things. I could see her kind of holding back and protecting herself in some way. I didn't really understand it. But once we'd been through that, there was a definite change. It's actually more and more as we go on. Mm. I think that's the thing where we love so much is that love grows. Mm. Like <laughs> you think you're in love then and I was head over heels. It was that moment. You know, when I noticed her, it was like fireworks. And it's just kind of like I saw other relationships as people get older, it kind of fades. I'd never subscribed to that. I was just like, that is not the path that I'm going down. And so I really rejoice and I thank God that it just gets better. Yeah. And I think it's because of the threefold cord. There's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. It's nothing to do with Cindy or I. It's actually because the Lord's in the mix. And he's been able to change us to be better. And that's what I love. Is that? And you can keep getting better, can't you? Oh, absolutely. So how long have you been married now? We've been together for just over 21 years. Cool. So four years of that was? Driving. Driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Getting to know each other and then? We got married in June 02, 17. 17. 
Just cool. over 17. 17 years and three kids. Just imagine what the next 17 years is going to hold. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Exciting. Yeah, and that's the great thing, isn't it, is that we're both walking together in the same direction and we're both excited. Amen. Well, there you have it. What an amazing story. And thank you, Dan and Cindy, for being so open and sharing what was clearly some challenging times for you. But we certainly got a lot out of it. And I'm sure all of our listeners, all of you out there, have taken something away from their story that you can use in your own relationship. Absolutely. I think there was a lot of courage there Mm. and I thank them as well. Mm. All righty. So please reach out to us. Let us know if you have any questions and we'll try to answer them in future episodes and we certainly won't identify you personally on air. Send us an email on podcast at he says, she says, God says.com. And you can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and check out our webpage at www.hesayssheesaysgodsays.com. Until next time. He says. She says. God, God says. says. You did well, Sid. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> I'm so excited to get this one out. <laughs> <laughs> you have a voice changer? <laughs> we can run some filters over yeah. it if you like. Yeah. <laughs> I want a cool Daft Punk kind of voice, you know? Like, you should have seen me last night, Ben. I was an absolute mess trying to give my testimony. Really? Like, yeah. I just really Emotional don't. or nervous? Or just no, I'm nervous. nervous. I'd... I really struggle on being speaking in front of people, yeah. being on the stage or whatever. Yeah. I just and as I get older, I've gotten much worse. Right. But I have a desire to share my testimony. Yeah. I've, I get a lot out of it, and I know, I know I can do it. Like my head and my heart wants to do it, but yeah. my body yeah. just does not. Yeah. But I was mullet. trying to get my mojo, <coughs> my stinking. Come on, get your mojo. Casting mojo. Come on, get your mojo. Okay. Hey, it's Ben here. Hello, Ben. No, you're supposed to wait until I say... Mm. Say again. (laughs) You need to have it written down. All right, ready? Hey, it's Ben here, and I'm here with my wife, Emily. That's me. Welcome. I've forgotten what I'm doing. You're supposed to be going, and welcome back to He Says, She Says, God Says. Okay. Hey, it's Ben here, and I'm here with my wife, Emily. That's me. Welcome to He Says, She Says, God Says. I did it wrong. Again. All right. Again. Okay. Hey, it's Ben here, and blah, blah. Oh, what am I saying? <laughs> You're saying hello, and welcome back to the pod. Welcome back to He Says, She Says, God Says. Today. What are you doing? Oh, I've just got a. I'm. I've had a really busy day. Ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Hey, it's been. He- <laughs> <laughs>